Yeah. Listen, man. What have you done now? If you know anything about me, you already know the type of time I'm on this week. Just don't listen. You know what time it is. I must be hard. If you don't, you should. I was on vacation last week, so I had no plans on releasing the episode this week. It's last minute, so I won't be long. But I had to do something to honor my dude. Let's try to explain to y'all why this man meant so much to me. We lost a legend, ladies and gentlemen. DMX. I know some of y'all don't understand, that's okay. But this man was different. Yeah, so all I've been hearing lately. Make me. I'm gonna try to make it a little more clear for those of you who may not truly understand the impact that DMX had on a lot of us. Well beyond the hip hop world. You see all of the headlines and. You're not a fan You're just an observer Well that's probably all you know All of the legal issues Some of the wildest stories I get it I completely see why being on the outside Looking in It will look as if Well how so many people impacted By this man leaving this earth There's a few reasons DMX connected with people, with fans, very differently. In a way, I'm not sure that anyone else has. It was his own way. But whether you met him or not, you felt it. And it hit you instantly. For a lot of us. The genuineness. DMX was authentic. 1,000% authentic at a time when no one was really walking around preaching authenticity. In an era when everyone was being told to be someone else or to look a certain way, act a certain way, you have to be this way in order to be received or accepted. At the heart of that era, DMX did the complete opposite. He did everything that they said he shouldn't do, which was simply what he wanted to. He barked on songs and people understood it. There were kids like me at that time who struggled to find an identity. Looking back on it, I think sometime that mostly it was because I was afraid that my own wasn't good enough. Had I realized how dope and fun life becomes when you simply are not afraid to be yourself in any and every situation. It becomes different. DMX did that for a lot of my generation. We saw someone who made us feel like, yo, I can make it just being me. I don't even think a lot of people realize the kind of run DMX had. 
even hip-hop fans, I think, forget. There was a time when DMX was hip-hop, fam, and hip-hop was DMX. That was it. He was the guy. That man dropped two albums in a year that both went platinum. I'm not sure if anyone else has done that. There may have been a few. I'll have to look it up. But I know at that time, that was insane. The run he had with album sales. It was up there with rock stars. Like, we're not talking regular stuff, especially at that time. There was a time when DMX was bigger than Jay-Z. Turn the lights all the way down. People forget that. He was a bigger ticket. When he was on tracks with Jay-Z, he would rap last for a reason. No one could follow him. Not even Hov. Y'all know I'm a big Hov fan. One of the biggest. DMX was different. Stood out in whatever room he was in. It's just different. Kid like me took notice of that. Every time that man walks into a room, he captures the room. I don't care who's in the room. The room is his now. Every time he gets on a song, that song belongs to DMX. I don't care who was on it. If he gets on a stage, DMX's stage. <laughs> if he gets in a movie, DMX's movie. Didn't matter who was in it. Steven Seagal, whoever. I remember DMX. When you know his story, the rough beginnings, how difficult it was for him, his childhood, all of the things that he faced. He wrote a book about it. It's called Earl, the autobiography of DMX. It was one of the first books I ever read. I think it was early 2000s. I was probably still a teenager at the time. A lot of people see that he, you know, struggled with drugs and addiction. But a lot of people didn't know that a lot of that was because when he was a teenager, the same person who introduced him to music was the same person who slipped him a blunt that was laced. And he didn't tell him. DMX was a teenager. He's a kid. Unless you've experienced that, do you really know what that would do to you? Or how you would overcome it at that age? And at that time, I think he said it was his best friend or his brother, his uncle, someone he really looked up to. I don't want to quote him, but basically he said he gave him the greatest gift he ever had in music, but he gave him the complete opposite. And that blunt. And that's so real. It just goes to show you what a gift can come with sometimes. It's like every situation is a gift and a curse in its own way. And the greater the gift, well... The greater the curse. But he fought that addiction his entire life. But while doing it, this man sold over 23 million albums. Uh. He's like the fifth best-selling rap artist ever in the Soundscape era. And he did it while barking on songs. Who else could have done that? So you got to understand, growing up, a confused and angry, emotional kid, just trying to figure it out, 
searching for an energy that makes you feel like you belong and you're just sitting in your room one day watching music videos and then this comes on yeah i'm right here dog where my dogs at we right here dog where my dogs at you gotta understand <laughs> It just hits you different man He's in like what looks to be like a club or something He's performing It's rocking It just looked crazy It looked like yo Why wasn't I there And who is this guy And it was over And shout out to my brother LB Because I would bet every dollar in my bank account that there's not a bigger DMX fan than him. I really would bet that. And I'd battle with anyone. The first time he ever bought real jewelry in his life, which is a big deal for some of us. <laughs> That's a moment as a man when you get your first real piece and you could finally get in the water. You used to have to take your piece off before you got in the water. Everybody knew there was a problem. Yo, where your chain? I left it by accident. No, you didn't. It's fake. So when you get your first piece that you can wear in the water, it's a big deal. And he bought a DMX piece. And I saw the picture the other day on Facebook because his mom posted it. And I completely forgot. At that time, teenagers running around, that was completely normal. Bought a DMX piece like we were Rough Riders. In our minds, we were. I wasn't getting on anybody's motorcycle. But wherever I was going, I was playing DMX. It was a different energy in the music, in the feel. And so I fought with my brother LB for a while. Because at the time, I was still such a big whole fan. And I said, I love DMX too, but Jay's still that guy. And he used to tell me, fam, I love Jay, but nah, X energy is different. Everything is different, like, to the point where he'll fight you. Like, I promise you, that is no exaggeration. That is not a joke. <laughs> Back in those days, if you said the wrong things about DMX, he will fight you. I would have just talked really badly about you to your face. But LB will fight you. <laughs> and we ain't play that. And for a while, I still tried to kind of have the Jay-Z argument. Until I heard this. It was over. I was like, nah, this guy's different. And it's dark and hell is hot was the first hip hop album I ever paid for with my own money. I think that's a moment a lot of hip hop heads remember. That first time you scraped your money together to go buy an album. I know. I know that's something the youth will never understand. Probably sound crazy to y'all right now. Don't worry about it, sweetheart. But there was a time you used to have to put your pennies together and go to the store and get your favorite album. Then it became a time if you had a penny, <laughs> you used to get that little magazine, that little magazine article, little magazine cutout. One penny, you can get 4,360 CDs. Sign here. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it was just me, but I did. I signed one of them. I was hyped to get my 4,000 CDs. I don't even remember what happened with that. I think I got like seven and then I got in trouble by my mom. But anyway, um, 
I scraped my little bread together and I went and got that CD. And I played that CD over and over for days. And I already knew off of what I'd heard at that point that no one could match DMX's energy or his passion. But when I really started to see him as an artist was the first time I heard this. Uh, uh. That to this day is one of my favorite songs. There's only one song I like that DMX made better, and that's going to be the closeout song, and that's going to be obvious to most DMX fans, but I don't need to go through his entire catalog because it wasn't for everybody. That's one thing about DMX and his music and his connection to the people. It's almost like a fraternity, his fans, his fan base, because if you're one of his fans and you meet another one of his fans, you just share something. And sometimes maybe you don't even really know what it is, but it's something. You share it. Most DMX fans are fans not simply because he made good music or simply because he was a good person but because he genuinely pulled us away from something. He helped us in some way. When we were dark, when we were angry, when we didn't know where to go or who to turn to, DMX gave us an outlet. He made us feel heard. He made you feel like you didn't have to hide. It was okay to come out and be who you were in front of whoever. Whether they accept you or not, fam, do it how? Nah. I'm going to do it like this. That's who DMX was. So much more. And it's funny because my brother and I have always shared that bond of how much we grew to love DMX. And I was so excited when I got to call him and tell him, that I finally met him. Because that was a journey for us. From, I mean, being teenagers, man. Yo, one day we gonna meet DMX. And I know that he's the same as me. And when we say we're gonna do something, it's not like, I'm just saying it. No. No, I'm gonna do it. And I used to always say that when I was younger. I'm gonna meet DMX. I don't know when, I don't know how, But I'm going to meet this man. And at that time, I had no idea of how this would happen. But when I tell y'all I believed it, to the bottom of my soul, I believed that I was going to meet DMX. Because I had to tell him about all of the times I cried in my room. And the only thing that made me feel better was his music. I couldn't talk to anybody. They wouldn't get it. Judge not, judge not. They should be judged first. So what do I do? Super young. I don't feel like there's any other way. But some reason, somehow, when I put DMX on, I was alright. Balked a little bit. <laughs> And I was back to it. But I was always kind of to myself. 
Some would say antisocial. It's not that I didn't want to socialize. It's just I was more comfortable to myself. In a lot of ways, I still am. But way more in my youth. Anger inside of me from things that had happened. Mad at the world. Not sure who to blame or if I should be blaming anyone. Lost, confused. Feeling like, how can I have such a good heart and such good intentions, but be dealt such bad cards? This is life. This is life. I'm trying here. This is what I, know. This is what I, know. I could do so much more if I just had something. I can't get there. And then being angry about that. And then you put DMX on it and he matches your energy. Because it's just so much more than words. But then you see him, and immediately, if you pay attention, you realize he's so much more than that. I mean, the man was anointed, if you ask me. I think it was pretty clear. This man was doing God's work. (laughs) And I know that probably sounds crazy to some of you who may have not understood what DMX was really about. But that man prayed at the end of every album. Let us pray. And every time I thank you, I've Lord, for ever my been birth. around him, he was praying. And everything that's followed. And usually for someone else. I thank never you, himself. Lord, for today. Held the Bible sermon and I on Instagram Live. He's preached before. I thank you, Lord, for the love of my None life of that was and fake. And I remember growing up through all of the, how can this man talk about this, that, and killing, and this, and then get on the ad- at the album, and then all of a sudden want to pray. And there's a part of me that's like, well, pardon you for judging so much. But isn't that all of us? (laughs) I mean, certainly it may not be murder or whatever else for you, but I'm sure you've done your share of sinning. And then at the end of the day, wanted to go and pray about it. Oh, that's just him? (laughs) It's lyrics. And I get that people look at some DMX lyrics and go, they're harsh and they're dark. But yeah, so are our thoughts sometimes. A lot of us don't want to admit that. But some of our thoughts throughout a day, (laughs) they can be pretty harsh, pretty dark. And sometimes artists find ways to express that artistically so they don't have to express it physically. And certainly you can look at that like, oh, they're dark and harsh, or... You can look at it like for what it is. Art. Because yes, DMX would put that kind of art into the universe and then he would go and take the money from it and then put it right back into the people. He didn't care about all of that. He didn't care about the jury. He didn't care about all that. All of these stories you'll ever see or read about him are of him helping people. And that takes me back. Amen. To the point of wanting to meet him. And we each walked the path. I ended up working chosen. Yes. in the mailroom at this company. Right and one day, it's funny how God works. We had like a fill-in at receptionist. And I had to come by and drop off something. He spoke, and then I left. Then like I passed her a few times And each time I had headphones on Because I used to always walk through the building with headphones on And so she asked me She was like yo 
who you always listening to? So I was like, yo, it just depends. I, I listen to all kind of music. And so she's like, what are you listening to right now? And I was like, uh, DMX. And I saw her just kind of light up. And she's like, DMX. And I'm like, yeah. And I thought the jokes were coming. Like, you know, I'm like, all right, here we go. I got to explain why I'm listening to DMX at this time in life. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, whatever. I was like, what's up? What's, what's the problem? And she was like, no, I'm just laughing because DMX is my cousin. And I'm like, okay, that's cute. And she was like, no, I'm dead serious. And I was like, see, here's the thing. I don't want to sit here and explain to you the kind of, like, fan I am with DMX and the connection I have with him. So I'm going to walk away because you're about to play a game that I'm not interested in. And she laughs, and she's like, you're funny. I'm like, I'm dead ass serious is the thing. She's like, no, I'm serious. DMX is my cousin. Look, and she goes through her phone, and she shows me Earl Simmons. And I'm like, are you serious? And she's like, yeah. She was like, we hang out with him all the time. Let me know one day. And... You can hit me up and I'll introduce you to him. And I was like, yo, I will give you anything you want other than money. Because I don't have money. But then I realized what I just said made me sound like a whore. So I just took it back and realized I should stop talking. And I just said, that would be great. And then that's how my journey of trying to meet DMX started. Now, I already spoke about a lot of this on a previous episode called Hot Dogs with DMX. So if you want to hear this story in its entirety and you haven't already i encourage you to listen to that episode but basically i ended up going to a party like a family party it was literally all of his family and he didn't make it that night and then i ended up going to a concert that he was supposed to perform at and i'm backstage and he ends up getting arrested for child support or something like that. So he didn't make it to that show. So I'm mad again. Then I ended up at a whole nother event that was uh, kind of like a private family function. So this is where I'm meeting like all of his family because I- I'm at these family functions and he didn't come again. He's not making it every single time. So at this point, I know all of his family, like everybody. I'm I'm meeting people, you know what I mean? I'm getting people's numbers and I'm cool. But yet to meet X. And so it's like, all right, I kind of give up on it. And I'm like, you know what? If it's, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. If it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. But at some point, I'm confident it's going to happen because I have so many people's numbers in his family. And we're, like, becoming cool. I'm going to the games with his nephew. I'm going to fights with his cousin. Like, I'm really cool with his family. You know, it wasn't even about X anymore. I actually really enjoy these people. They were great people. And one day... Out of nowhere, he comes to my job because he's doing an interview. And i never forget the day. It was great. I knew this was my moment. All of these years of watching him from a distance and knowing how authentic he was, knowing how genuine he was, and all of the stories I heard, I said, this is my moment. And I did not go down there for one celebrity. Most of the time when the celebrities were coming to the building, I would get a picture if I could. I would talk to them if I could. But I didn't go out my way. It wasn't my thing. But this day, I was like, there's no way I can miss this. So I literally went to work. I clocked in. And then I went straight to where I knew he would be walking through. And I waited. And I waited. And I waited. And then I started to hear rumbles that DMX might not show up. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So I go back. And then somebody's like, yo, he's here. And I jet back down. And by the time I get down there, he's already in the interview room. 
So now I got to wait. Because if I go back to work upstairs, he'll be gone. By the time they tell me it's over, he'll be gone. So I said I have to wait. So I'm waiting. I'm starting to get emails. Hey, Mo. Hey, Mo. Where are you? Need this. And I'm like, oh, man. I'm panicking. One thing about me, I absolutely hate not being productive at work. I'm not that guy. Like, I'm so jealous of some of my friends who I've known who have had jobs and just didn't care. They just didn't care. I don't care. Call him out. Yep. Don't feel like it. I mean, you know people like that? They just don't care. Man, go to work. Yeah, I'm not going to work today. I'm going to go play golf. Like, I always wanted to be that person. I am not him. I hate it. I feel horrible when I let my coworkers down. So I'm, like, literally torn, man, because I don't want... These people to be writing me up or to be mad at me. Like, that meant something. At the same time, this is DMX. (laughs) This is not my dream job anyway. (laughs) So I got to make a move. I got to make a move and make it soon. Uh, I got to take a block and make it And so I wait. And finally, he comes out. He's standing there. He's got a Henny bottle in his hand. White T-shirt. Never forget it. He's talking to people. Then he goes to head out, and I just ran up on him like a kid in a candy store. It was nasty. Oh, I was such a child. (laughs) Yo, it was my childhood, though, man. I was connected, right? And I was just like, yo, X, I just need need to highlight you for a second, man. And um, I'm not going to go into all of the details of this story, but because, again, I already told it. But the basis of it was, I ran up on him. I was just like, yo, ex, I got to holler at you for a minute, man. He said, what's up? And I just told him. I told him all of the things that I just spent this episode telling y'all. In a shorter version, of course. (laughs) But I told him what he meant to me. And what he meant to my childhood. And how much it helped me. And I, I knew that he'd heard that. A million times. So I didn't expect anything more than I appreciate it. You know, thank you for letting me know. Because I'm sure he gets that every day. But for some reason, he was just like. They were like rushing him. Like, yo, we got to go. And he was like, nah, nah, nah. Your money. Come with me. (laughs) And I'm like, yo, huh? Like in my mind, I'm like, I had already waited an hour. Now you want me to come with you? Okay, fine. (laughs) I'm like, all right, so now we're leaving. And he's like, yo, so tell me what you were saying. I just started telling him, like, yo, I've tried to meet you four times, bro, like to the point where I know half your family now. So he's like, you know my family? He's like, well, you know. So I start telling him who I know. And then one of the people I named, he's like, what? He's like, yo, I've been trying to call that dude forever. Call him right now. So I'm like, all right, bet. So I didn't know if this was his way of calling my bluff or if he, you know, he just was really trying to talk to his family. So I call him. Turns out, he was really just trying to talk to his family. So they kick it, and then I hear his cousin like, damn, this is what I got to do to get you to get on the phone is you got to be with Mo. And it was just the whole thing. So then I think at that point, he knew I wasn't I wasn't bullshitting. And he was like, yo, you, you working? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, I mean, come on. <laughs> like, like, yo, don't let work get in the way. And so I had a decision to make. Either go back to work, be the loser I was, Or take this moment to hang out with a legend. So I left work. (laughs) I left work. I went up the block. And he was like, (laughs) 
He wanted to eat hot dogs. That's what he wanted. He was like, you like hot dogs? I was like, yo, fam, I'm with it. I'm with all the shits. Like, whatever it is, I'm with it. He's like, bet. So then at that point, he starts ordering hot dogs, and he gets me one, and I start talking to him about my life, my family, who I am, what I do, all because these are the questions he's asking me. He's not sitting there letting me ask him anything about him. He doesn't care about that. He wants to know about me. And we're eating hot dogs, and in the middle of him talking to me and listening to my story and giving me advice on things, he's, he's offering me Hennessy. And at the same time, he's offering every single person that passes a hot dog. I promise you. And he was able to do it in a way that it wasn't rude. Like, at all. Yo, this is what you got to do, money. You got to do it. All right, you feel me? Yo, excuse me. You want a hot dog? No? All right. So listen. So it's like, I mean, and just every person. Yo, hot dog? Yo. Sweetheart. Hot dog? Yo, my man. Hot dog? Like, I mean... <laughs> And some people are stopping, like, yo, holy shit. <laughs> that's DMX. And I'm sitting there like, yeah, that's him. Shit is crazy. I know. Fucking me up, too. <laughs> and, and we're just kicking it, man. Just kicking it. You know? He's, I'm telling him how I became a fan and telling him what I want to do in my life, which at the time I wasn't completely sure. And I remember him kind of telling me in a way at that time, like, I just hang in there. Like, you, you different. You got it. Whatever you choose for it to be, it's there. It's already yours. You got it. Just just, just, just relax. Yo, want a hot dog? <laughs> it was, but he gave me, like, you know, the greatest advice in the most easiest of ways, and then he prayed for me. You know, we exchanged numbers. He told me to hit him if I needed anything. Or if I ever was just with the family. And I did that. And that was it. But it's not every day that one of us get to actually meet one of our childhood idols. Come on, hold on. It's almost over. Be face to face with him. And I think a little bit of me took that for granted. Just because it was almost so surreal. Like, now I wish I would have reached out more and all of those types of things. Of course I do. But to me, it was like, I ain't going to bother that dude. <laughs> but I got to meet him. I got to text him. I got to hang out with him. I got to know his family. I got to really, like, kick it with him. And he was everything I thought he would be. And that's the best part of it all. Because when you do get that opportunity to meet your childhood idol, you just don't know how that's going to go. And for me, it couldn't have went any better. I told my brother LB a couple months ago, I got a few interviews lined up and I got all of the connections I need to make one of them a DMX interview. And if I don't do anything, bro, I'm going to fly you out for that interview. And he was like, I've never wanted anything from you. <laughs> But that's the one thing he asked me for. And I remembered. So I had every intention on making that his birthday gift. Who knows if it would have happened. But I was certainly close. And a couple months later, here we are. But one thing about DMX, 
he would have been somewhere praying for us right now if he was here, which is what we all should be doing for his family. He's not in pain anymore. He did everything that he was meant to do on this earth. I believe that. He did more than he ever believed he would do and more. One of his lyrics was, I influenced so many children, I never thought that I would. And it'll forever be the only moment that I share with someone where I went from a fan to a friend slash family in an hour over hot dogs and Hennessy. <laughs> Every time I've had a hard moment or hard time in my life, I've always done one or two things when it comes to music. I've always played gospel or I've played this song to this day, every single time. If I ever just need to cry, let something out in the dark, because you know that's how men do it. <laughs> I did it to this song. It got me through it all for as long as I can remember, honestly. And it ain't no different today. It's going to get me through this as well. It's one of my favorite songs of all time. I believe it's one of the most beautifully written or executed songs ever. Sometimes it ain't no way around it. It's just hard. And we got to find a way through it. But yo, get up. Next week, bitch. Hey, yo, I'm slipping. I'm falling. I can't get up. Hey, yo, I'm slipping. I'm falling. I can't get up. Hey, yo, I'm slipping. I'm falling. I got to get up. Get back on my feet so I can tear this. Hey, yo, I'm slipping. I'm falling. I can't get up. Hey, yo, I'm slipping. I'm falling. I can't get up. Hey, yo, I'm slipping. I've been through mad different phases, like Macy's, to find my way And now I know that happy days are not far away If I'm strong enough, I live long enough to see my kids Doing something more constructive with the time than bids I know because I've been there, now I'm in there Sit back and look at what it took for me to get there First came the ball, the drama with my mama She got on some flash, so I split and said that I'ma be that seed That doesn't need much to succeed Strapped with mad greed, a heart that doesn't bleed I'm ready for the world, or at least I thought I was when I caught a bus, I'm thinking about how short I was Going too fast, it wouldn't last, but yo, I couldn't tell Group homes and institutions, prepare myself for jail They put me in a situation, forcing me to be a man When I was just learning to stand without a helping hand Damn, was it my fault, something I did To make a father leave his first kid at seven, doing my first bid Back on the scene at 14, with a scheme To get more green than I'd ever seen in the dream And by all means, I will be living high off the hog And I never gave a fuck about much but my dog Hey, yo, I'm slipping, I'm falling, I 
Strivectin is a brand that's long been regarded as top-tier skincare by professionals of all kinds. We personally love how all of Strivectin's products are backed by science. If you're looking for an eye cream to help smooth the appearance of crow's feet and under-eye puffiness, Strivectin's new Intensive Eye Concentrate for Wrinkles Plus is proven to do so starting in just five days. To learn more, visit Strivectin.com.